there had been abuse in my family, uh, but it was mostly musical in nature. Are you ready to get your world rocked? Ready! Are you ready to get your mind blown? Do it! One, two, three, four! There's nothing better than discovering a terrific new band, even for jaded old rock critics like us. I'm Greg Cott of the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Jim DeRogatis from WBEZ and Columbia College. This week we dig up a batch of buried treasures to share with you. And we review the new album by indie rock supergroup Divine Fits. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions and time now to unearth some buried treasures. Another word for pirate treasure. Them's my treasure, and I'm a burying them where no one will know where they're at but me. Every once in a while in Sound Opinions, we like to look back on a batch of releases that we overlooked, Jim. Records that maybe the mainstream overlooked, too. Kind of under the radar, not necessarily getting all the hype, but records that you and I feel have uh, real value and that our listeners need to hear about. So we're going to do one of those shows today. And I'm going to go first with a band out of the Pacific Northwest called Chromatics. I've seen this band a couple of times over the years, and I've really loved their growth. If you heard them a decade ago, you wouldn't know they'd end up where they ended up because they sounded like just about any other kind of new wave retro band back then. But their sound has really evolved since then. They've started to blend in this electro dance vibe called Italo Disco into their sound. A little bit of shoegaze from uh, the early 90s, that UK blur of guitar sound has seeped into it as well, on top of these wonderful melodies. The group leader is a, a guy named Johnny Jewell. I love that name. Mm. Named a- it's got to be named after the television song, right? Yeah. So you know his head's in the right place in terms of influences. Uh, it's a co-ed band. They've got this singer, Ruth Radlett, and I hope I'm not butchering that name, but a wonderful, dreamy voice that fits in with these songs. They first caught my attention with some of their covers. They've covered some people like Neil Young, Kate Bush, Running Up That Hill. They just did that at the Pitchfork Music Festival over the summer. Again, won me over. And then this album, Kill for Love. It is an epic record, 90 minutes worth of music, well worth your time. I'm going to play the title track. It really encapsulates what they're doing so well, these radiant melodies buried inside these wonderful, dreamy soundscapes. Kill for Love from Chromatics on Sound Opinions.
Chromatics with Kill for Love, one of my buried treasures. Jim, what do you got next for us? Well, Greg, I want to talk about a band that uh, I didn't get the opportunity to highlight during our show about electronica. We were talking about a lot of these bands like Dead Mouse and uh, Skrillex that are breaking into the mainstream. Electronica is the new next big thing. I prefer the artists on the margins. Bass Nectar is a fascinating guy that I've only become acquainted with in the last year. Lauren Ashton came from the world of death metal, reinvented himself in the Burning Man, San Francisco hippies in the desert kind of world as bass nectar. And he has put out nine albums of incredibly inventive electronic music. Dubstep is a phrase that is very hard to define. <laughs> Even our expert guest on our Electronica show, really, you know, wh- what does it mean? I think it's the music of bass nectar. It is this swirling, psychedelic, groove-heavy, forward-moving music about which nothing else can be generalized. Because in his case in particular, I don't think there's been anybody this inventive making electronic music since Richard James, the Aphex Twin, in the early 90s, when there was a wide-open palette. Anything can come into this sound. On his ninth album, Va Va Voom, you've got him covering Blade Runner style, a song by the punk band Pennywise. You've got him bringing Lupe Fiasco in, treating the vocals to, to give us this incredible opening track and single, Va Va Voom. You have him doing a chill-out song called Butterfly with the vocalist Mimi Page. It's a roller coaster ride that knows no genre boundaries and is one of the most inventive electronic records I've heard in a decade. Here is that title track, Va Va Voom, by Bass Nectar on Sound Opinion.
Va Va Voom by Bass Nectar, my first buried treasure this week. Greg, you got another one? Jim, that's a great choice. I've been on a Pacific Northwest vibe here in the early going, and I'm going to stick with it right now with the duo The Satisfaction. Stasia Irons and Catherine Harris-White. They first came to acclaim on that 2011 record by Shabazz Palace's Black Up as sort of a backing duo on that record and a couple of showcase pieces. Uh, They also performed live with that band. Prior to that, they had a string of EPs and free releases out between 2008-2011, got signed to Sub Pop, the same label that signed Shabazz Palace's, and now they have a new album out, Awe Naturel, their official debut. Only 30 minutes long, very concise, but really gets across what makes this group special. Here we are talking about gay African-American women. And when they chant on this particular song, whatever you do, don't funk with my groove. I think they're talking more than about dance music there. They're saying, don't step on me. I think this entire album is a declaration of let me be who I am. Let me do my own thing in my own way. This, this crossroads of neo-soul, jazz fusion, cosmic hip-hop, a little bit of that P-funk, psychedelic vibe from the 70s. They're bringing all these influences together. Stasia does a lot of the rapping. Catherine does a lot of the singing on this record, but they also do a lot of blending of their voices as well. Here's a track from it called Queens from The Satisfaction on Sound Opinions. Leave your face at the door Turn off your swag Check your bag From your limbs to your timbs Get down But whatever you do Nice one, Greg. That was Queens from Dissatisfaction on Sound Opinions. Good buried treasure. I'm going to go so far underground for this next one that there may be no light at the end of the tunnel, okay? Hey, you know, balancing 
acts that people have heard of and care about over 20 or 30 years and acts that nobody has heard about <laughs> is always a challenge on Sound Opinions. We try to do a really good job. These Buried Treasure shows are about going to music that, that a lot of people may not have heard. I will tell you, I have spent two hours in the last two months trying to get to the bottom of who this duo I'm about to play is, and I've come up with nothing, and I'm a pretty good journalist, you mm-hmm. know, okay? There is very little on the web about the band named Lester Bangs. Okay. <laughs> I begin seeing... Ding. Well, you know, <laughs> any group that names itself after my rock critic hero, Lester Bangs, I'm going to check out just to see if the audacity is anywhere near warranted. This band first began pinging my radar because there's a good two dozen hip-hop blogs out there that posted for free the album it put out in July called Infinite Stretch. They gave only two pieces of information when they originally posted this album on their Bandcamp page. They said, Lester Banks does its best to combat obesity. That's (laughs) O-B-E-A-T-S-I-T-Y, which I thought was pretty funny. And then they said, this album is about 22 minutes of summer heat for your ears, a 22-minute respite from the dog days of summer. Infinite Stretch comes with an album cover of two California bathing beauties in bikinis at the grill. And that's that. I've just told you everything I know about this duo, except that there are two producers, ACB and a guy named PJ'd. I initially thought, because I read somewhere, that they were from France. No, PJ in particular is a Brooklyn hip-hop producer whose name has been on a good dozen records in the last two years by really hot up-and-comer rap stars from the East Coast. They made this record together, as they said, uh, for, for a bit of fresh air in the summer. It's got that wonderful ambient summer vibe of an artist we talked about a couple of years ago on Buried Treasures, Clive Tanaka, California ambient uh, electronic artist. I think the French thing came in because there's sort of a little bit of air, that French duo in this, that summer wispy, magical ambient vibe combined with some really neat hip-hop grooves. We are going to hear more about Lester Bangs, not the rock critic, this strange production duo from Brooklyn. Mark my words. At the very least, you're going to enjoy this track. It's called Almost. The only connection to the famous rock critic is that there's a little bit of a sample of Philip Seymour Hoffman from Almost Famous playing Lester Bangs in this track. They did themselves a huge disservice because you Google Lester Bangs and all you get (laughs) is 7 million hits about the rock critic. Anyway, I wanted to introduce this to you. Infinite Stretch. The song is Almost. Lester Bangs on Sound Opinions. Oh, man. You made friends with me. Your friendship is the ghost that feeds you. They want you to get drunk and feel like you belong.
That's almost by Lester Bangs, one of Jim DeRogatis' buried treasures on Sound Opinions. Do you have an album that has been dominating your playlist lately that you feel hasn't gotten the attention it deserves? Let us in on the secret by calling us at 888-859-1800. We're going to continue our unearthing of more buried treasures after a quick break on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRigatis, and we are running through some of our buried treasures, some of those records that have escaped mainstream attention in the last few months, but that Jim and I feel need to be brought to wider attention. And that is one of mine playing in the background by the group called The Very Best. Here's the story. Frenchman, a Swede, and an African walk into a junk store in London. And oh, a few I heard days, that one. Yeah, <laughs> and a few days later, they come out with a group. Uh, they started recording some music together, came out with a record called Warm Heart of Africa in 2009 that was very transglobal in its reach. He had a lot of this Europop and disco influences coming from the, the French and Swede connection, a team of Johan Hugo and Etienne Tron that had been working the discos of Europe in that time. And then these marvelous vocals, giving it an African reggae hip-hop kind of feel from a gentleman by the name of Isa Memwai from Malawi. Now, they continued to work together. Hugo and Memwawi continued to work after Tron left the group. They went back to Malawi to record this next album. Now, the recording conditions were less than ideal. The electricity kept going out, so they had to make this recording in between bouts of power in the studio. Okay, we've got power. Let's see if we can do some more recording. It has that sort of feel, again, where you're not quite sure where this record is going to go because it's all over the map. But it has a uniqueness because of those marvelous lead vocals. The track I'm going to play illustrates this globe-trotting sound. It's called Adani from the very best. The new record is called MTM TMK on Sound Opinions.
Adani from the very best on sound opinions, one of my buried treasures. Jim, what do you got next? Greg, I'm going back to Nashville. You and I went down there and spent some time with Jack White a while back talking at his third man recording Empire headquarters. Mm -hmm. The night before, two of my buddies had seen this band that's on the third man record label, The Black Bells, and they were raving about it. They said, oh my God, you got to come back with that record. And come back with it, I did. came out late last year. It's the self-titled debut by The Black Bells. I've since gotten to see the band on stage, and I understand why my friends were so enthusiastic. Mm -hmm. They call what they're doing Garage goth. Man, two of my favorite things in the world brought together. It's like a Reese's peanut butter cup. They are dressed in black from head to foot. They are in black B-52's bouffant hairdos, Mm -hmm. but they're real. There's this witchy look. There's this love of the dark side. I'm going to play a song called Howlin' at the Moon. And I tell you, there is some of the best howlin' on a rock song on this record ever since since uh, Werewolves of London by Warren Zevon <laughs> or maybe even Howlin' Wolf himself. They love the Halloween vibe, but there's a ferocity in the garage rock. I mean, this is nothing new. This is the cramps, right? But it sounds fresh in the hands of these three women, Shelby Lynn, Ruby Rogers, Olivia Jean. They're down to just bass, drums, and guitar now. They had a keyboard initially, which sounds wonderful on this record. Great kind of farfisa cheese. But on stage, she was too much like Casio, and it was bad. It was like the, the cheesy bad keyboard you don't want in your <laughs> band. They've cut back to basics now. I'm going to play this song, Howlin' at the Moon, on Sound Opinions from the Black Bells. Just tell me you don't love this. Ever since the day. She was born with steps into the night. Please be warned, she's marked by an unusual grin. It's tried very hard not to give in. The night you get to crawl, something covers me. I howl at the Bells with Howlin' at the Moon on Sound Opinions, one of Jim DeRigatis' buried treasures. The Moon, I'm going to stick with that theme, Jim. Scott Lucas and the Married Men are my next buried treasure, and they've got a new album out called Blood Half Moon that I really love. 
Lucas, I think, is one of the best songwriters we've got. Uh, nobody really talks about him in that vein. If they know about him at all, it's because of his duo Local H, which he formed in the late 80s out of a northern Illinois town known as Zion, Illinois. They had some hits, uh, minor hits in the, in the 90s, and, and are still going strong. It, it's a, a pretty much a full-on rock band with two guys in it. A couple of years ago, he formed this side project, Scott Lucas and the Married Men, writing some more personal songs in a kind of a more introspective vein. And now he's on the second record, where he's combining some of that darker, more introspective material with a harder edge. Seven-piece band, accordion, violin, organ, some raucous guitar on this one as well. He has joked about this countryish alt rock for people who like metal <laughs> as being sort of the sort of the signpost for this new album, Blood Half Moon. I think that pretty much gets at the heart of the matter here. He's combining a lot of different influences and creating this wonderfully dark, noirish music on a song called Lover the Lullaby from Scott Lucas and the Married Men on Sound Opinions. Lover, the lullaby from Scott Lucas and the Married Men. Jim, what's the final buried treasure on this week's show? Well, Greg, I had no idea what you were going to pick, and it seems like we've had several recurring themes. We've had the mashup of different genres in in many of these treasures, and we've had some noir, you know, Mm. vibe going on. So I got one that does those things again. 
a British quartet called Django Django. This is a group that came together at art school, as all great English psychedelic (laughs) pop bands do. Mm -hmm. This particular one was in Edinburgh. The band features a member whose brother was in the beta band, and they've gotten some comparisons to them. You remember the beta band. They're that wonderful band in High Fidelity, the movie, to, to, to sell the record to everybody in the store. I will now sell five copies of the three EPs by the beta band. Do it. Like the beta band, there's a kind of tom-heavy groove happening here that some people are saying is African rhythms. I think it's kind of Bo Diddley. I think that the era that these guys are taking a lot of inspiration from, well, there's two. I mean, they're inspired by those early 90s shoegazer bands like My Bloody Valentine and Ride, but also that weird period of the very early 60s before psychedelia was called psychedelia, and you had people like the English producer Joe Meeks doing just incredibly strange things with simple reverb and different, you know, the minimal effects of the early studio. And and those early surf singles had this kind of weird psychedelic resonance to them, even if psychedelic rock was not yet a genre. All of this is going into the mix and coming out with some incredibly catchy songs. The album opens with this wonderful English pastoral instrumental that's pure Pink Floyd, like Mm. Adam Hart Mother. And then it begins to rock. And rock pretty hard, it does at times. I'm going to play a song called Default. What I like about this tune is I think that they're comparing you failing in your life as a person to a computer failing. Uh, Take one for the team, you're a cog in the machine. It's like a default. Here is Django Django on Sound Opinions. Thank you. 
That was Default by Django Django on Sound Opinions, our final buried treasure for this episode. To see the list of all of our treasures again, visit soundopinions.org. And if you have one of your own, call us and tell us about it on the hotline, 888-859-1800. Next, Greg and I will review the new album from Divine Fits, and Greg will drop a quarter in the Desert Island Jukebox. That's all coming up after a short break on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim Deergatis. My partner is Greg Cott, and we are listening to a little bit of My Love is Real from a new group called The Divine Fits. They have just released their debut album, Greg, a thing called Divine Fits. And this thing is, yes, yet another supergroup. Generally speaking, we are dubious about supergroups here on Sound Opinions because they don't often measure up to the sum of their parts. There are exceptions. We had off on the show recently the punk rock supergroup from Los Angeles. The question is, does this one measure up? Who are the super members? Well, Britt Daniel has been having a wonderful career as the leader of Spoon, but he always has been a restless spirit, either changing up the members of Spoon or exploring other projects. The drummer, Sam Brown, hails from that uh, pop-punk band, the New Bomb Turks, and Dan Beckner, the other key part of this trio, has been in two fine bands, the uh, kind of indie pop rock alternative hard-hitting Wolf Parade and Handsome Furs, the duo with his wife, Alexi Perry, who were guests on Sound Opinions. Uh, Sad to say they have disbanded uh, because we love the electronic music those two were making together. So these guys came together. They don't want to have a big story about it. On their website, they say... 
What is a thing called Divine Fits? Well, this record was made with much excitement and energy from March through May in a backyard studio in Los Angeles. What else can we tell you? Here's the music, in other words. Make of it what you will. Let's play a song. This is called Flag and a Ride. I should mention that these tunes go back and forth with either Dan Beckner or Britt Daniel singing the lead in, in the way that old Husker Du albums used to, going back and forth between Bob Mould and Grant Hart. This happens to be one of the uh, Britt Daniel tunes. It's called Flag and a Ride by Divine Fitz on Sound Opinions. <laughs> Flag and a Ride from Divine Fits on Sound Opinions, the debut album called A Thing Called Divine Fits. Jim, as you said, Daniel and Beckner trading back the vocals. These are different personalities in a way. You know, uh, Daniel's always been that kind of cool, somewhat reserved guy. You always feel like he's, he's playing his cards close to the vest, whereas Beckner is kind of in your face. There's a more of an urgency there in, in the way he delivers the music. But they both really love to strip things back. Neither one of these guys is overly fussy when they make recordings, whether Beckner's with Wolf Parade or with Handsome Furs, Daniel with Spoon. They love to pare things back. This record combines a couple of the great loves of these two guys. They, they love those new wavy melodies and that electro-rock repetition. There's a lot of that in this record. The songs are very stripped back. The production, in particular, focuses in on these almost unnatural details. You know, you, you think about the, the, uh, the castanets on Flag and Ride or, or the maracas on Would That Not Be Nice. You know, those heavy breathing vocals that are almost hypnotic in that song, Like Ice Cream. You know, these little, little production details. There's only three or four or five things going on in the song at a time. And you hone in on those things as sort of a melodic or harmonic element that really pulls you in. 
So as minimalists, these guys are in exactly the place they want to be. You can Mm. tell they're loving this type of approach because they are kindred spirits in loving that approach, and they balance each other's strengths very nicely. You know, as side projects go, Jim, this ain't bad at all. And I think the secret weapon here is the fourth guy that nobody talks about in this band, the keyboardist by the name of Alex Fischel. He comes up with the right parts at the right time for every one of these songs, whether it's jittery or kind of a more of a neon texture kind of thing. I think he would have been a great fit on one of those early Cars or Devo albums. He would have loved <laughs> being in one of those bands. And I think Divine Fits is as close as you're going to get to one of those groups right now. I think this is a very fine record, a thing called Divine Fits. I give it a buy it. Craig, I wish I could share your enthusiasm. I, I think uh, Divine Fits fails in some key ways. I listened the first three times and was heartbroken, and then I kept going and going, trying to make sure I wasn't making the mistake of expecting it to be Spoon or Wolf Parade, Handsome Furs. I think what we've got is all of the angularity of Spoon without any of the driving rhythmic intensity that G- Jim Eno brings to that band on drums. I think what we've got is all of the electronic edifice of handsome furs, but without any of the sensuality that Alexi brought as vocalist, that mixture of the machine and the woman. You know, there are some moments here that are fun, but when you mention the cars, you're you're right on, because it's kind of like the relationship that the cars, a perfectly fine, okay, electronic new wave band, what what they had to suicide, mm. a groundbreaking electronic shear off the top of your head, enduring influence band, that's what we got here. This, this project is a just for laughs kind of excursion. And unless you care passionately about Spoon or Beckner's Wolf Parade Handsome Furs, I don't think you're really going to care about this record. And even if you do care, it's going to let you down a little bit because it doesn't do what those other groups do at their best. I got to give it a trash it, Greg. I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. From time to time on Sound Opinions, we like to hop in the helicopter and put down on the deserted island, spending some time alone with a song we can't live without. Greg, it's your turn. What do you got? Jim, 1992, we're on the 20th anniversary of that year, and I was glad to see a few weeks ago the 20th anniversary edition of one of my favorite albums of all time show up, uh, Kiko by Los Lobos. Yes. And I want to celebrate that record. I mean, put it in context. You're thinking about the early 90s. You know, you got Nirvana and all this new wave of bands poking their head in the door. No, not just poking their head, knocking the door down Mm -hmm. and say, it's a new era, kids. We're, We're changing the game. And I think a lot of bands at that point had to kind of reassess where they were at. You saw a response maybe in a band like U2 with Octung Baby reinventing itself or R.E.M. with Automatic for the People, veteran bands that had been around for at least a decade, reinventing their sound to a degree to remain relevant. And I think Los Lobos did exactly the same thing here as well. They'd been around the scene in Los Angeles since the mid-'70s. They were contemporaries of people like X and the Blasters. They were celebrated for this merger of roots rock. And for them, roots rock meant not only blues and early rockabilly, but also combining it with their roots in, in Mexican folk music as well, bringing it forward. I think they had felt 
after a while with the Neighborhood album, a very fine album that they released around the turn of the 90s, that they had said all they can say with that sound. It was time to do something new. So David Hidalgo and Louis Perez, the songwriting team in the group, started woodshedding some new material. Perez started writing with this more concise style. He'd been studying Japanese poetry and almost haiku-like lyrics were coming out of him. Hidalgo was working with these more fractured song forms. He was taking the blues in a more trippy, psychedelic vein. They presented the songs to their record company guy. Back then, there, there was a few record company guys who actually knew what they were doing in terms of just assessing music. Lenny Warnker was one of those guys. Yeah. And he said, you guys are on to something here. I want to hook you up with these two other guys and see what can happen. The guys he was talking about, Mitchell Froome and Chad Blake, mm-hmm. who were really on the cutting edge in terms of using the studio as an instrument around that time. Once Los Lobos paired up with Froome and Blake, things really started to click. Cheap amplifiers, pumped-up compression and distortion that they were using, backward tape loops, this huge array, a circus of keyboard effects. Suddenly, Los Lobos was like walking into a new world. And what I always loved about this record was the way it opened with a song called Dream in Blue, where it's like you're opening that door to this dream world. It is Alice going down the rabbit hole, going, yeah. here we are. And, and the lyrics are kind of funny. The little kid dreaming away with a big smile on his or her face, realizing everything's different now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in this trippy new world here, and I can go anywhere with it. Here's a band, the, the sound of a band reinventing itself. Lost Lobos from the Kiko album with a song called Dream in Blue on Sound Opinions.
In Blue by Los Lobos, the Desert Island jukebox pick from Mr. Cott this week. Greg, you didn't even mention how revolutionary it was, their approach to percussion on that record. What a great album. The Sound Opinions Desert Island jukebox is brought to you by Maker's Mark. Maker's Mark bourbon, it is what it isn't. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we have an in-studio visit from record label mogul, producer, and rapper LP with his band. Greg, as always, we have some thanks to say on the way out. Sound Opinions is produced by Jason Saldana and Robin Lynn. Our assistant producers are Annie Minoff and Michael DeBonis. And our fearless leader, our executive producer, Tori Southside Malatia, is still out there looking for buried treasures with his metal detector on the shore of Lake Michigan. Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. New messages. Hi, this is Megan in Philadelphia. I'm calling because I listened with great interest to the uh, Days of the Week show you had last night. I was really into that song by Morphine for Thursday, which I'd never even heard of Morphine before, and they were awesome. But I was heartbroken that you made no mention of the Pogues and their song Tuesday Morning, which is, I think, one of the best songs ever in the whole world. Keep up the good work, you guys. Bye. Greg and Jen, this is Will from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I just listened to the Days of the Week episode, and I really enjoyed it. I was just a little bit bummed that you you didn't play this song called Thursday by the Futureheads off their News and Tributes album. To me, I've always felt like Thursdays have just had this like depressive, weighty quality to them. Almost like the gravity of the earth is just turned up on that particular day. And the future heads kind of sum up that feeling perfectly in their song. I'll let you know about that. Thanks, Greg and Jim. Hi, guys. This is Norma from Pueblo, Colorado. And this evening, you spent a good, how many minutes reliving your adolescent dream over Elephant Six? And they were okay. They were okay. 
And then you have the audacity to trash Dead Can Dance? I don't think so. I have two words for you. Shape up. Hi, guys. Love the show. I just wanted to thank you for featuring the Elephant Six Recording Collective on your last show. I am a huge fan of all of those bands, especially Apples and Stereo, and they don't really get mentioned that much. I think you had some really good comments, and I love hearing all the songs and getting to share that with my husband, who is not really familiar with the band. So thank you so much. Great show. No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX. Your stereo.